Greetings to everyone joining us for a new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and with me our basketball expert Diogo Valente. Hi André, hi guys. Hope everything is okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of the European Hoops podcast. Hopefully you guys stay with us and tune in for the rest of our episodes. André, let us know, man. What are we talking about today? On today's episode, we will go over the four games remaining. Tune in to yesterday's episode or the part one of this preview to hear our previews of the, the first five games. We will waste no time and we will look at the game between Partizan and Paratinaikos. A game that I personally expect to be a high-level game. Paratinaikos have been founding themselves and are looking as one of the top teams on this, this EuroLeague. Partizan, on the other hand, has been struggling. They started the season with four wins and six losses. They have lost three out of their previous five games and they currently stand in 13th place outside of the play-in and outside of the playoff where they certainly aim to be. I think this will be a game with different styles and this will be a very intriguing and entertaining game. Tell us, you who will get the win on this one? <laughs> it's, it's a tough choice. I mean... Uh, obviously, these teams are, I think they are close in terms of talent. Uh, but I think I'm leaning Panathinaikos uh, just because of Partizan not having n not only Kevin Ponder, which I think would be very important in a close matchup because of his ability to score and his ability to score in the clutch, but also Avramovic, who is their best guard defender. And for a team like Panathinaikos that has Lukas, uh, Joanne Grant, uh, Grigonis, all of those guys, I think he would be very important in a matchup like this. So I think those two guys are going to be... It, it, they're too big of, a, of an absence to, for Partizan to turn it around and to beat Panathinaikos. So uh, I'm leaning Panathinaikos. Talent-wise, I think that at the moment Panathinaikos has the advantage, but uh, I believe that Partizan in front of their home crowd will be able to gather themselves together, will be able to put up a fight and will be able to find ways. We have seen players like Danilo Andrzejczyk stepping up and playing at a high level at moments during this season. They have the talent. They keep adding pieces to this roster. We just go to know that uh, Yogi Ferrell won't be joining Partizan. The negotiations broke in the later stages of it. We won't have a new guard for Partizan quite yet. They have been linked to other players like Cassius Wisdom. But that means that they are looking to add some reinforcements to that backcourt. They heard Diogo asking for it. They are looking for an option that will fit their needs and they, will, they are looking for an option that will allow them to be more competitive and to break out of this bad start of the season. But we saw Partizan having the same issues last season and then they found themselves and looked as one of the strongest team teams in the EuroLeague and I expect to see something similar during this edition of the EuroLeague. I'm not ready to give up on a team led by Obradovic. We know what he's able to do and what he's capable of and I expect to see more of the same not only on the, the rest of the season but on this game where I see them being able to put up a fight against this uh, Paratinaikos team. Tell me, you, which is the key individual matchup for this game? I'm going to go with... Um... Caboclo and uh, Matias Lasort. Uh, I think, obviously, Lasort is the main uh, front court option for Panathinaikos. Uh, him and Mitoglu now, uh, but I think Lasort, as far as bigs, uh, like centers goes, I think it's him. And for Partizan, even though Kaminski is probably the the best center, I think Caboclo now because of his physicality and his ability to to bang with other bigs, uh, I think will be more important in a matchup with Lasort 
the, those two guys are both very strong physically. So I think that's going to be a very entertaining matchup on, on the board. For me, that is the key matchup of this game. Lasort is returning to play against uh, Partizan, the team that he played for last season, had such a good season with. The physicality of those two players and the importance that physicality will have on this game will certainly be key. Partizan will want to impose their physicality, their size against uh, a guard-heavy Paratinaikos team. And certainly those two players will play a crucial role in the outcome of this game. Another matchup that I will be keeping an eye on, it's uh, Nanali against Grigonis. Grigonis has been playing at a very high level, but uh, again, physicality, size, can Partizan take advantage of it or will the the guard-heavy lineups from Paratinaikos have the upper hand on this matchup against uh, Partizan and uh, the Nanali against Grigonis? Matchup is certainly a representation of that and will certainly be important for the way that this game will unroll. Next game that we will be breaking down on this episode, we stay in Serbia and we will talk about the Red Star against Efes. Red Star lost their previous two games. They are currently in 16th place with three wins and seven losses. Efes seems to have somewhat found themselves. They are starting to play a better brand of basketball, a brand of basketball that suits the the strengths of their roster and their top players. They are currently with five wins and five losses and in 11th place, just one position away from the, the playing spots. What are the keys for this game between Red Star and FS? Well, obviously, uh, for Red Star, every home game is a, a key because of that crowd. Uh, and for FS, I think the injuries that they have now with Derek Willis and Zizic, uh, I'm very curious to see how they're going to work that front court rotation now. Uh, but I think Red Star has a chance here to to bounce back. Um, obviously, they they got blown out at home against Milano uh, last week, and they also lost to Olympiacos. So they they have two straight losses, and I think they need to bounce back. And, and this is a game where they can do that. Uh, even though FH has been playing much better, and uh, I've acknowledged that in, in the podcast, uh, but I, I think those injuries are 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 big absences to them. So uh, I think Red Star has a chance to explore that and. and the, the bigs, will will I think they will do a good job on the boards and, and they have a chance to dominate the rebounding battle. And I think that's how they win this game. We go back to the good old consistency that we speak so much about and it ha- really has been lacking from this Red Star team during this edition of the Early. At home, they have been able to play better, but they come from a, a disappointing loss at home on the previous round. I expect Red Star to be prepared to try to bounce back and consistency is something that also has been lacking from this FS team. And I think that's where FS can, uh, Red Star can find an angle to come into this game and to find an advantage in this game. They will need to be shooting well from three, something that they haven't been doing always on the, this edition of the EuroLeague. At times, they look like a super team <laughs> shooting from the Eindhoven. We know <laughs> how important Giedratis has been for them on that aspect of the game. But can they come together? Can they bounce back? I think so. I think that they will be able to do it. And I think Efes is a good team for them to be able to do it on uh, this particular game. I already mentioned Giedratis, but go ahead. And which is the, the most important individual matchup of this game between Red Star and Efes? I'm going to go with Shane Larkin and Shabazz Napier. Uh, obviously, Shane has been playing at such a high level, even though he is injured. Uh, but... Obviously, the last game, I said I thought it was the, the best game I've seen from him all of all of this season. So uh, I think Shane, for sure, 
And then I'm going to go with Napier because he's been having some off games and he missed a couple games too because of an injury. So I think Red Star needs him to, to be that playmaker and that scorer at a consistent level for them to be the team that at least I expected them to be. So I think this point guard matchup is going to be very important for the outcome of this game. It absolutely will. I will go with other two guards on my individual matchup. <laughs> I'll go with uh, Teodosic and I'll go with Darius Thompson. And especially Teodosic here. Uh, I think that he has been able to be a difference maker for this Red Star team. And with the team struggling at times, he has been one of their best, if not uh, their best player in uh, many of the matchups that they had so far. They will need him. They will need his experience and his leadership for them to be able to to do what it takes to bounce back on this game and to be able to impose themselves and put up a fight against FS. So we are both going guards and certainly we will have high-level guard play on this game between Red Star and FS. On the next game, we go to Spain and we break down Valencia against Basconia. Two teams that they are, in my opinion, overperforming what I expected from them heading into this season. Valencia started to do it early on. They are currently with five wins and five losses and ranked 10th. And Basconia started to do it more recently. They are also with five wins and five losses and they rank in eighth place. That overperformance comes through their defense, uh, Valencia has been one of the best offensive teams in the competition. And Basconi recently, their recent the defensive improvements is what allowed them to find a consistency for them to be able to perform and to be very competitive and what led to them to win four out of their last five games and uh, for them to bounce back and to, to climb the standings where they currently are in eighth place. In this Spanish derby, what do you expect to see? This is a tough matchup. Uh, obviously, uh, I expect to see great defense from Valencia, but Basconia does have the ability to score. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to go. Uh, I think playing at home uh, and Valencia coming off of four straight losses, I think they will need to bounce back and I think they will be playing elite defense and they're going to be able to control uh, Basconia's offense. Uh, I think... Uh, a lot of what Basconia has been doing uh, since they started playing better and started getting some wins is the, the energy and also the defense for them because we know offensively they've always had it, right? So uh, I think uh, Basconia will struggle a little bit uh, to impose that energy and that defense because Valencia will just do it at a higher level. And I believe Valencia at home needing to bounce back will be better offensively. They will shoot the ball better because they really struggled last game shooting just Five for twenty from three, so uh, I think they will do a better job at there. But uh, I do lean Valencia, but it's obviously going to be a very close matchup. My gut feeling is also with Valencia. I also expect them to be able to impose themselves defensively against this Basconia team. My question for this game and what I think will be decisive in this game is: Can Basconia really impose themselves defensively and with the energy and with the the defensive disruptness that they can bring into these games uh, give trouble to Valencia. Valencia has at times struggled to, to be able to produce offensively and to be able to produce offensively at a high enough level to, to compete with uh, with other teams in the EuroLeague. So 
if Basconia can do that defensively and just give a lot of issues to, to Valencia, even if I expect Valencia to impose their defense against Basconia and to be able to control what Basconia does offensively, maybe it still won't be enough. And the worst offense of the, the competition that is Valencia with 17, 2.9 points per game, ranking in dead last, might not have enough firepower to, to win this Basconia team even if I also expect a bounce back from them and I also expect them to to be more competitive and to play at a higher and at a better level on uh, this game against Basconia than they did on their previous four where they, they lost all of those four games. In terms of individual matchups, I'll go first on this one and I will pick two players that have been quite important for these two teams. Chimo Maneke, that had a very disappointing game against Monaco. I expect to see a bounce back. He has been so far the statistical MVP for this uh, Basconi team. And his energy and uh, his ability to perform at a high level will be very important in a game like this one against um, against Valencia. And for the Valencia side, Sami Ojale has also been one of the, the best players for Valencia so far. And I think the clutch between those two players will be important for the, the outcome of this game and for how this game unrolls. Who do you got? Who are your individual matchups, uh, the matchup to watch on this game? Well, I'm going to go with the other forwards for each of those teams, and I'm going to go with Sarah Kerskis and Damien English. Uh, I think that's also going to be a very interesting one. Both of those guys uh, fight on the boards. They they go after every loose ball, and they bring energy to those teams and defense as well. So I think it's pretty similar matchups that we picked, but both of them very important for what they do to their teams. So uh, I think these are going to be High, high major factors in this game. The last game of this round 10 will put face-to-face Barcelona, that is second in the standings with eight wins and two losses, and Asval, that is in 17th place with two wins and eight losses. But um, it's a, a different Asval, an Asval that has been more combative than uh, what they were being able to do in the beginning of the, the season. We know why. We know the coach pose effect. Do you think... It's enough for them to aspire to surprise Barcelona? Well, I think they're definitely going to try. And I don't think it's going to be an easy game for Barcelona. But for them to go into Spain and to win that game, I, I do think it's kind of a long shot. Uh, obviously, Aswell has been playing offense at a very high level. They've been hitting shots. And they have Mike Scott playing at a very good level. And they do have talent. But Barcelona is just too, too consistent for, for them to handle. And they have that shooting ability that's pretty much unmatched in the EuroLeague. So I think Barcelona is just too good uh, throughout the 40 minutes for Asvel to have a chance. Why do you think that this won't be an easy game for Barcelona? Which aspects of the game can Asvel give trouble to Barcelona and can try to, to steal this game? Well, I think Asvel has good enough shooters and I think they have uh, enough talent to at least make it competitive. Uh, I think they have some bodies on the inside that can give some troubles to Hernan Gomez and to to Vesely. So I believe it could be a, a good matchup. It's just that Barcelona has more talent and more consistency throughout the 40 minutes. So they're obviously the better team. Uh, but I think Asvel has firepower offensively to, to try to be competitive in this game and try to outscore Barcelona, which obviously is not going to be easy. Yeah, of course. It will never be easy for... A for two teams that are so far apart in terms of uh, depth of talent in their rosters. 
for a team like Castle to be able to beat Barcelona. And I also think that that's the path for them. And we spoke about something similar when we previewed the game between Real Madrid and Alba. The, the shot that they have is to try to outscore Barcelona. It won't be easy to do it, but that's their way to, to be competitive on this game. It will be hard for them to, to, to stop Barcelona. They will need to use their talent and to try to outscore them. For me, the individual matchup of this game and the, the matchup that I will be tracking with more interest heading into this game is Lapro against Paris Lee. They both have been extremely important for both of their teams, especially Paris Lee has been a player that is playing at a very high level and is having probably his best EuroLeague season so far for this uh, Asphalt team, playing for this Asphalt team. Paris Lee is known for his defensive impact and if he's able to, to give trouble to Lapro that is playing at such a high level and being one of the best players for Barcelona, for me, that will be a key factor for, for Asphalt to stand a chance on this game against Barcelona. Who do you got? Well, I honestly had three potential matchups, but you <laughs> picked one already. So uh, the other two are uh, TLC uh, versus Alex Abrines. Obviously, both of their ability to, to shoot. Uh, I think it's very important for each of those teams. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mike Scott and Jabari Parker. Uh, I think both those guys have been like the, that scoring punch off the bench. Uh, both of those guys provide that. They can score in, in a, at a higher level. And they're both physical. They, they're both good rebounders too. So I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup off the bench. Both those guys will battle it out. And I think it will be very fun. I know that this is a somewhat unfair question because they play for very different teams and have slightly different roles. But um, I, I like that matchup between Jabari and Mike Scott. For our listeners, and especially our American listeners, which one of them do you think has the game that uh, suits better the early game and the FIBA game? And why do you think that that player has a game that is more suitable for the way that the uh, EuroLeague plays and the, the teams in the EuroLeague play? Well, for me personally, for my personal taste, uh, I think Mike Scott uh, is better suited for the EuroLeague because of his ability to stretch the floor. And, and I just think that that floor spacing for guards to attack. And because there's no defensive three seconds uh, and there's always going to be bigs in there, I think his ability to stretch the floor is very important at the EuroLeague level. And that's why I give him an edge over Jabari Parker, who, of course, is a great scorer and is very important for Barcelona. Uh, but I just think as far as play style and just the fit, uh, I think uh, I, I will always take uh, a stretch for over uh, just a scoring, uh, inside scoring four. So uh, I'm taking Mike Scott. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you because in the way that the game is played, for or the way that Jabari plays even, he will thrive and he will be uh, very good if he was the number one option of a team. But it's very hard for a team at the early level to win and to be a elite contender with Jabari being their number one option on their team. Scott is more of a complementary player. And because yes. of that, and the way that it's more of a team game, it's more about sharing the ball, finding good shots, because the court is more packed, it's smaller. So you need to be able to create movement and with the movement, make the defense move. And with that, to find good uh, shots and open shots. And the ability to stretch the floor being slightly a more physical player 
it helps to, to give him an edge on this particular battle, even if it is, as I said, uh, unfair question because they play for quite different teams with different roles and different responsibilities. Both of them can be high-level players, but I do agree with your assessment. To end this episode, let's go over some of the news that uh, have been coming out regarding the EuroLeague and uh, the teams of the EuroLeague and the future of the EuroLeague. Let's start with Jalgiris. They have been linked to players like uh, Kevin Pangos. That seems that is not happening. But they are bringing in a player in Sumner that is a player that I have high expectations for his role and his ability to to give the jump to the EuroLeague and to be a high-level performer. I think that the, he has the skill set and the ability to do it, especially alongside Keenan Evans, for him to be an impactful player on the, the backcourt of Jalgiris. Two questions for you. What do you expect to see from him, of course? And the second question is, was this the type of player that Jalgiris should be targeting and uh, will he fit well this team and their needs? Well, I expect big things from him uh, for Jalgiris, honestly, uh, because I believe... He's a, a backcourt guy who can pair with Keenan Evans. And I think he will give them uh, uh, another guy who can create and who can score. And also just give some energy because he likes to play on the open court. He likes to run. He's, he's very fast. And he can play defense as well. So I think this is a good match to have alongside Keenan Evans. Um, I would probably go with a, a true wing, a, a bigger guy. But uh, I, ju- I just think they needed a scorer. So uh, I think this is a good move. And I think he will help them a lot. I'm in agreement there. I think that he will help them significantly. I think that um, we spoke about the struggles that Jalgiris had to, to create. And him and Keenan Evans will provide four minutes of the ability to do that at a very high level. You are able to place a player like Roland Schmitz that is a great player, is a high-level player in the EuroLeague. But he won't have to be a number two player in the team. As a number three, as a number four, as a complementary piece, he will thrive even more. He will be able to perform at an even higher level, have easier shots, and just perform even better. That makes the whole team better. And they do have some options at the wing position that allows them to to have good minutes on, on those positions. I agree with you that in terms of the, their ideal five, a bigger player, uh, more of a wing player would be better. But the ability that Sumner has to play, to play make, to, to score, to create, uh, I think he will be uh, very... The, the backcourt in Jalgiris became very dangerous and that will allow them to, to be a very dangerous team for the rest of the season. I'm very high on Sumner and I expect big things from him and I expect him to play at a very high level and I expect mostly him to make the game even easier to players like Manek, Roland Schmitz. This was a, a high-level signing by Jalgiris that uh, I expect to give them very good play very soon. Another big news that uh, came out and um, that will impact the future of the EuroLeague that we are pleased to see is EuroLeague is announcing that it's it's not totally official yet. We don't know all the, the details regarding it, but uh, apparently we will have a team from Dubai joining the EuroLeague probably on the 25-26 season. That will also open the doors to other teams like uh, Paris Basketball or uh, London Lions to, to join the EuroLeague. More important than anything else, it's the, the growth of the EuroLeague. And that's what we are pleased with. We will need to see. We will need to see how those teams will look like, who will be coaching them, what are the projects, 
uh, what is the viability of the basketball for those teams and for those projects. But the growth of the EuroLeague is something to cheer and something to be excited about. What do you expect to see from from these uh, years ahead of the EuroLeague? Well, like you said, I mean, it's very important for the growth of the competition. Uh, if it brings more competitiveness, if it brings probably more players that we might not know of and give them an, uh, an opportunity to, to display their talent, uh, I just think that it's a benefit for the EuroLeague to be able to, to expand and to, to have more teams and have more competition, uh, I think it's going to be good for everybody. So uh, I'm very excited about it, and hopefully everything goes well, And because I really think it can be a great opportunity for the league to grow. What appealed so much to the EuroLeague with the Dubai team was the, the money and the ability that they have to, to invest big sums of money. We can expect some uh, big-name players to join that type of team, is there some retired NBA player or some player that is not in the NBA anymore that is playing overseas that you would like to see playing in the EuroLeague that uh, a team that brings to the table so much money will be able to do it? I would love to see what uh, Dwight Howard will be able to, to do yeah. over here. Yeah, he's one of the names that came to mind. But I just think that there are so many guys who 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 have been out of the NBA for like two or three years, but they obviously can still play. And I think this would be uh, a, a door that could be open in the future uh, for them to, to get back to action because I still think there's a lot of guys who, who have game. Uh, obviously, Dwight Howard's one of them, but I think guys like Iman Schumpert, uh, obviously guys like that who have been out of the league but are obviously still capable of producing at a very good level. So I think guys like that would be very fun to, to join the EuroLeague. Yeah, absolutely. And not only those guys, but even players that are playing in the G League that are high-level players and for them makes sense to stick around. If the EuroLeague improves financially, it will be more appealing for players in general. Uh, will allow to give better careers and better conditions to, to all the players. And the EuroLeague is already in a good place. And seeing those step forwards are always positive. Let's see the impact that that has on the competition. And that's what we will be here to tracking and covering for you guys. This leads us to the end of this episode. Make sure to share the podcast with a friend, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Tito Zero League and subscribe to the, the podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on next episode. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.